Welcome to Monday. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor 88.3, your student-run radio station here at the University of Michigan, located in beautiful and, dare I say it, scenic downtown Ann Arbor. What a place to be. Let's get started with the show. I got a special one cooked up for you. Kind of a lazy show, but I think you'll enjoy. You gotta lean in, you gotta lean back, you gotta do both simultaneously. Once you've figured that out, you're prepared for the show. Now, take care of yourself there. In the meantime, we're gonna jump into the top 40, top five. Okay, coming up, this might be the best ever top 40, top five, by the way. I should have kept track. Maybe now I'll start taking notes, but boy, this week, five giants may i say coming in at merely number five is taco with putting on the ritz a song i used to sing so much as an 11 year old boy at my school i got detention for it my gym teacher was so upset that we kept singing the song she's like just stop you have detention stop we did it constantly we were obsessed with this song Dining one, 
but not till now. The time is right for us tonight. We can move, move to the rhythm. We can move. news for whoever's calling in right now at this moment i had to talk on the mic which means i absolutely cannot pick up the phone if you're patient boy i'll get there but i'm not gonna rush myself i told you this is one of the best top four top fives top 40 top fives there we go and coming in at number four there it is uh we have donna summer with she works hard for the money and for those keeping tabs at home looks like i missed that phone call sorry about it
She does indeed work hard for the money. That was Donna Summer, your number four on this week's Top 40 Top 5. Coming in at number three, boy, Flashdance. If, if it included Michael Cimbello's Maniac, which I don't think it does, although this says this is from the original oh, motion picture soundtrack. Boy, Flashdance might be one of like the best, like, like music soundtracks in the world. It's it's really good. Yeah, Flashdance right on there, Maniac, and other uh, other other great hits. You should check it out. In any case, number number three, 1983, big year for Flashdance. It's Maniac.
absolutely fantastic. I think you'll have to concede that point. Coming in at number two, boy, it's a great song. It's pretty synthy. It's pretty fun. It's the Rhythmics with Sweet Dreams.
All right. It's, it's not even the Eurythmics. It's just Eurythmics. Apparently, this is a point of pride. Although, you know, sometimes they're called the Eurythmics. It's unclear to me, quite frankly. Okay, I don't really even know at this point. It's just confusing. What I can tell you is your number one for this week's top 40, top five, is, you know, after eight weeks at number one, believe it or not, it's still every breath you take by the police. Let's Let's jump in.
Well, I was just informed that uh, when this song came out, what, 1983, my mom would have been th- like 30 years old, 29 years old. I don't know. Quick math. But uh, golly, that's, that's just a little bit younger than I am now. That's something to consider, and I hadn't been considering it. But now, I am considering it. Moving right along, we have had a request. Uh, and you know what? Requests always welcome here on this show. It's a free-form show. There's no rules. I- I've made up all the rules that we're following, uh, other than the FCC guidelines. Those are real rules. We absolutely have to follow those. So, like, But, like, you know, it's, it's 1230 in the morning, so, like, you know, we, we can get away with a few swears in songs. We, sh- we, don't, we don't need to flaunt it. But, like, if, if there's one, it's not the biggest of deals. Everyone assumes a child is asleep at this time, which is, like, honestly, having been a child, poor assumption, but, like, okay, we're, we're gonna go with it. In any case, if you want to make a request, it's 734-763-3500, and if you don't want to talk to me, you don't have to. You can just send your request to radio at wcbn.org, that's at sign wcbn.org. It notifies me, and I'll be happy to play your song. We have a request uh, for a, kind of a movie clip, honestly. In 1973's uh, Young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks, Young Frankenstein, really, that's probably a better introduction, but it is from 1973. Moving right along, they, they, they do a rendition of Putting on the Ritz. We've had a request for it, so I found, uh, I found like a 90-second clip on YouTube, so let's just jump right in, okay? If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cut away coat, perfect fits. Dressed up like a million dollar trooper. Trying mighty hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or rumbarellas in their mitts. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. At this point, uh, a light bulb explodes, and uh, the the performance devolves from that point forward. Anyway, Young Frankenstein, great parody movie. One of Mel Brooks's better parody movies, I'd say. I mean, it's no Blazing Saddles, but it's it's pretty good. Alrighty, what are we doing next? 12.30 in the morning, about a quarter of the way through the show. Maybe even exactly a quarter of the way through the show. We better get on to the cover couplet. If you're tuning in for the first time, boy, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to play for you the original song and a cover of that song and then give you insightless analysis afterwards. I I have no real musical education uh, other than what I got in elementary school. 
And, uh, you know, I'm out here swinging for the fences each and every week. This week's treat, we got uh, The Boy Is Mine. The original's by Brandy and Monica, I believe, from 1998. And we got a cover by the... Oh, just by U.S. Girls. Uh, U.S. Girls, by the way, a band I'm super into right now. It's a solo performance by... Oh, I'll look it up. I'll tell you when I get back. But in the meantime, enjoy these. The boy is mine. The boy is mine. The boy is mine. The boy is mine. The boy is mine.
honestly, I, 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 I like the U.S. Girls cover, okay? I, I did. It was, it's, it's okay. So to be clear, Brandy and Monica absolutely slay. They're way better. The original's the better version. But I, I think, like, in terms of, like, kind of, like, uh, like, dark moody. Boy, they're always dark moody, aren't they? But, like, it's it's a pretty good dark moody cover, okay? Uh, it's Emily, oh, no, Megan. Megan Remy. That's who U.S. Girls is. It's just her solo project. She's killing it. She's great. Why don't we listen to some U.S. Girls while I figure out what the rest of the show is going to look like? Uh, what should we do? A bunch of stuff I haven't heard, I suspect. Oh, I mean, this is a pretty good song. So how about, so typically now, um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll just decide. Okay. So just a, a few U.S. Girls songs and I'll, I'll pick it right back up with you. Okay.
Okay, that was U.S. Girls with two songs. We heard Tux and So Typically Now. Before that was the cover couplet. Okay, we got about 10 minutes left in the hour. Let's get in our weekly punishment at the very least. Actually, you know what's gonna it's gonna fit better. This week in jazz, okay? Because I know it's it's a bit of a long jazz song. This is what jazz. This is like it's it from the preview I heard. This is like the quintessential jazz noise. Just like people playing instruments for like seven minutes straight. No obvious idea of rhythms or directions. Everyone's just, they're just doing it. And it it works. I'm not saying it doesn't work. And I'm sure they know what they're doing. But I I surely don't. In any case, we have Red Rodney featuring Iris Sullivan. The the album is Hijinks at the Vanguard. We are going to be listening to, yeah, Hijinks, Side A. Side A, song one. Okay, let's just jump right in. All right, this week in jazz.
Alrighty, it's 12.59 in the morning. I should let you know that this is WCBN FM Ann Arbor 88.3, your student-run radio station. And uh, we've got another lovely hour coming your way. Can you believe that? It's pretty lucky. One thing I'm supposed to do during this hour, right? We're a real buzzer beater here. Public service announcement. Okay, we're just going to jump right in. No hesitation. Here you go. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne. For many years, you know I've had a drink problem, and I'm, I'm trying to battle that problem every single day. But one thing I don't do, I don't drive my car when I'm drinking. I get someone to drive me. Do not drink and drive. It's the stupidest thing. If you drink, just don't drive. Not only are you going to hurt yourself, you may hurt some other person, and you wouldn't want that on your conscience, would you? A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. You're absolutely welcome for that PSA, and it's a great one. Don't drive drunk. Great advice. Can't deny it. Okay. You know what? Let's just get right out of the way. Okay. Top of the hour. Starting off the show again. Okay. Really kicking off the Monday for that central time zone. What I can offer you is your weekly punishment for being a whole hour late to the show. Yeah, you deserve it. Okay. And an hour late to Monday, quite frankly. This is Capper Cali. Caper Cali. Caper Kai. Caper Kaylee. Caper Kaylee. Final answer. Honestly, it looks vaguely Nova Scotian. As a person who's lived in Nova Scotia, certainly this is northeastern England. Look at all these boats. They got a nice coastal fishing village vibe going on here. Very Irish because it appears all, most of these song-like titles are in some sort of Gaelic. I certainly couldn't even begin to read it. And I'm not going to make it dry. Well, I will. My Lagan Love. Lagan? L-A-G-G-A-N. Here's the thing. Like, I, Gaelic pronunciation of certain letters, is it's, it's counterintuitive, to say the least. So I have no idea. It apparently translates Fox on the Town. This is off the album Crosswinds, and this is your weekly punishment.
Okay, honest to goodness, I, I have some thoughts there. Uh, so first of all, this started off, I was really wondering how this was Fox on the Town, man. Fox on the Town, I expected like how it ended. Like, Fox on the Town, we're having a pretty good time. But instead, we started off like, Fox on the Town, the most morose thing ever happening ever. As if old elderly Fox is walking through town, remembering when town was a field full of flowers and fox dens and rabbits and whatnot. It was horrifyingly sad. And then later in the song, like, the fox made a friend with a bird or something. Um, I will say, like, outstanding fluting, as far as I can judge. I absolutely can't judge your fluting. Couldn't tell you if it was good. Sounds good to me. Uh, I, you know, a, a better than average cover, uh, weekly punishment, I'll say. I, 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 I kind of get into because I'm always... I'm always partial to a song that goes on a journey. And, uh, you know, un undeniably from from Sad Fox to Fox with a Bird Friend, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, we're going to do another segment I do often on this show, trying to explore some music, getting used to stuff. I was gifted years ago a, uh, a copy of Rolling Stone's The 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. I like to open this up to a random page and just... Uh, what are we listening today? Very often it's something I've never experienced before in my life. And uh, I learned something today. Uh, we got we got Dusty Springfield with Dusty in Memphis. I had no idea she was the singer for for the son of a preacher man. We're going to hear that coming up in a little bit. Uh, I, I, I must have, like, kind of know it. It's from the, um, I know it from Pulp Fiction. Uh, but obviously it's, it's from uh, her 1969 album. In any case, what does... Rolling Stone have to say about the 89th greatest album of all time, let me tell you. Born in London, Springfield was a great soul singer hidden inside a white British pop queen, racking up Motown-style hits such as I Only Want to Be With You when Atlantic producer Jerry Wexler brought her way down south to Memphis to make this album. She was so intimidated by the idea of recording with session guys from her favorite Aretha Franklin and Otis Redding hits that she never actually managed to sing a note there. Her vocals were overdubbed later when the session moved to New York. The result was a blazing soul and sexual bla was blazing soul and sexual honesty. Breakfast in bed, son of a preacher man that transcended both race and geography. Obviously, we're going to have to listen to Breakfast in Bed and of course, Son of a Preacher Man. In addition to those, we're going to hear just a little lovin'. And what's the what uh, fourth one? Okay, The Windmills of your mind. These four coming right at you. Starting with, what are we starting with? Just a little lovin'. Uh, you know, song one, album one. Well, maybe not album one, but song one, nevertheless. Just a little lovin' Early in the morning Beats a cup of coffee for starting off the day Just a little loving When the world is yawning Makes you wake up feeling good things Are coming your way This whole world wouldn't be half as bad It wouldn't be half as sad Early in the morning Their little extra something To kind of see them through Nothing turns the day on Really 
preacher's son And when his daddy would visit he'd come along When they gather round and started talking Passing Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he'd look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man See what he was Yes he was Talking to me, you come and tell me everything is alright. You kiss and tell me everything's alright. Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. Yes, he was. He was. Like an apple whirling silently 
that jingle in your pocket? Words that jangle in your head? Why did summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore and leave their footprints in the sand. Is the sound of distant drumming just the fingers of your hands? Pictures hanging in a hallway and the fragment of a song. Remembered names and faces But to whom do they belong? When you knew that it was over You were suddenly aware That the autumn leaves were turning To the color of his face Like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel All right, we dipped our toes into Dusty Springfield, and honestly, I have to say, more than most times we dip our toes into something, I, I really liked what I heard. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Son of a Preacher Man, great song, but Breakfast in Bed and Just a Little Lovin', also very good. I might have to check out the album. We're going to move right along. We don't have a lot of time, honestly. I'm planning, I'm planning a big, long thing at the end of this show, and I should probably find it pretty soon. But in the meantime, we're going to hear from Tori Amos. We're going to hear Wednesday. And from Drug Dealer and Way's Blood, we're going to hear a song called Honey, and then I think we're going to get to our thing. So these two, coming right up, try to enjoy them, and if you can't, well, at least you gave it a good college try. Nothing here to fear, I'm just sitting around being foolish when there is work to be done. Just a hang-up call, and the quiet breathing of our Persian we call Cajun on a Wednesday. So we go from here to here with cigarettes we've been keeping, though you say you're not a temper man. Seems as if we're circling for very different reasons, but one day the eagle has to land. the fountain I left by the station I start the day in the usual way then think well why not and stop for a coffee and begin to recall things that you say no one's at the door you suggest a ghost perhaps a phantom I agree with this in part Finger on a stumbling size turn on a Wednesday. So we go from here to here with cigarettes we've been keeping. Though you say you're not a temple now. 
meditation I start the day in the usual way Then think well why not and stop for a coffee And begin to recall things that you say Pluck up the courage and slap it's gone again I start humming when doves cry Can someone help me? I think that I'm lost here Lost in a place called America When you're not around Your people have their way with words And you don't have to hear the sound
Look, it's not every day that I get a uh, a cover couplet by request, but it has happened. And uh, someone's shouting in the background, and they absolutely should not be shouting. They shouldn't be. Okay, that's the kind of thing that gets you kicked off the show. I'm just, I'm not saying that, but like someone should be saying that. In any case, we have Better Off Alone, Alice by Alice Deep J and Peach Kelly Pop. As always, I'll try to give you some bad analysis after the fact.
All right. Oh, no background music, but it's actually kind of appropriate because we're kind of switching gears here. We're doing something I don't typically do. This is something I've always dreamed of doing, first of all. Let me say that. Okay, when I when I first started partaking in WCBN way back in like 2015, 2016, I was just moved to Ann Arbor, started exploring radio stations. One of my favorite things was to find like really late at night, sometimes somebody would just be like playing like a random lecture or like philosophical debate or some random thing. I really liked spoken word. I like that kind of thing. I liked it on the radio quite a bit. So for the last rest of the show, what I want to play for you is a 1973 radio drama uh, a dramatization of Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. I listened to it when I was driving back and forth between um, my place, my girlfriend's place, all the time back then, and I thought it would be great for radio. And, you know, many years later, here I am, putting it on the radio. So please enjoy this uh, radio drama from 1973 from the, from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. <laughs> Titan, Foundation, Foundation and Empire, Second Foundation, Author, Isaac Asimov, Part Number One, Part Title, Psychohistory and Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia Galactica, 116th edition, Entry, Hardy Selden. Born the 11,988th year of the Galactic Era. Died 12,069. Birthplace, Helicon, Arcturus Sector. He showed amazing ability in mathematics at a very early age. Anecdotes concerning his ability are innumerable and some contradictory. Undoubtedly his greatest contributions were in the field of psychohistory. Selden found the field little more than a set of vague axioms. He left it a profound statistical science. The best existing authority we have for the details of his life is the biography written by Gal Dornick, who, as a young man, met Selden two years before the great mathematician's death. The viewing room will be closed for the remainder of the trip. Prepare for landing, please. Would it be possible for me to stay? I would like to see Trantor. We'll be landing on Trantor by morning. I mean, I want to see it from space. I'm afraid not. If this were a space yacht, we might manage it, but we're spinning down Sunside. You wouldn't want to be burnt, blinded, and radiation scarred all at the same time, would you? I see. Trantor would only be a grey blur anyway. Hmm. Look, why don't you take a space tour once you get there? They're quite cheap. I will. Thank you. Right. No, 
move on, Dornick. Taxi to the right and third left. Thank you. Next. Is that him? Yes. Good. Uh, taxis to the right and third left. A good hotel, please. They're all good. Name one. Well, the nearest one, please. 1.12. Where do I go? Follow the light track. Your ticket will keep going as long as you're going the right direction. Encyclopedia Galactica, 116th edition, entry, Tranitor. Center of the Imperial Government for unbroken hundreds of generations. Located in the central regions of the galaxy, among the most densely populated and industrially advanced worlds of the system. Land surface, 19,230,000,000 hectares, totally urbanized. Population. 40 billions, devoted almost entirely to the administrative necessities of the empire. Its dependence upon the outer worlds for food and indeed all the necessities of life made it increasingly vulnerable to conquest by siege. In the last millennium of the empire, imperial policy became little more than the protection of Trantor's delicate jugular vein. obviously your first visit to Trantor. What do you think of it? I don't know what to say. I've seen nothing like it before. I'll need time to soak it all in before I can give an opinion. This must seem a bit stupid to you. Trantorians must take it all for granted. Trantorians never come up here. It gives them nerves. Nerves? Why on earth should it do that? If you're born in a cubicle, grow up in a corridor, work in a cell and holiday in a sunroom, then coming up into the open with nothing but sky over you might conceivably give you a nervous breakdown. How high do you think we are? I don't know. A thousand meters? No. Just a hundred and fifty. What? That's a lift took ages. I know. But it spent most of the time just getting up to ground level. Trantor is tunnelled over 1,500 metres down. It's like an iceberg. Nine-tenths of it is out of sight. You here on holiday? Not exactly. I've always wanted to visit Trantor, but I've come primarily for a job. Oh? With Dr. Selden's project at the University of Trantor. Raven Selden? No, Hari Selden, the psychohistorian. I don't know of any Raven Selden. Hari's the one I mean. We call him Raven because he keeps predicting disaster. What kind of disaster? What kind would you think? I'm afraid I wouldn't have the slightest idea. I've read the papers Dr. Selden has published, but they're on mathematical theory. Yes. The ones they publish. Look, I... I think I'd better go now. 
very pleased to have met you. Good afternoon. Who are you? What are you doing in my room? I am Harry Seldon. Good afternoon, sir. I... You didn't think we were to meet before tomorrow? No, sir. Well, it's just that if we're to use your services, we must work quickly. I didn't understand. Well, just relax and sit down. Thank you. You were talking to a man on the observation tower, were you not? Yes. I met him in the lift. His name is Jerrill. He's an agent from the Commission of Public Safety. He followed you from the spaceport. But why? Did he say nothing about me? He referred to you as Raven Seldon. Did he say why? He said that you predict disaster. I do. What does Trantor mean to you? Glorious. You say that without thinking. What of psychohistory? Psychohistory. That branch of mathematics that deals with the reactions of human conglomerates to fixed social and economic stimuli. Assumptions. One, the human conglomerate be sufficiently large for valid statistical treatment. Two, the human conglomerate is itself unaware of psychohistorical analysis in order that its reactions be truly random. I haven't thought of applying it to the problem. Before you've done with me, you'll have learned to apply psychohistory to all problems as a matter of course. Now then. You see the function set up on the calculator? Yes. Well, that represents the condition of the empire at the moment. Surely it's not a complete representation. No, not complete. I'm glad to see you don't accept my word blindly. However, this is an approximation which will serve to demonstrate the proposition. Will you accept that? Subject to my later verification of the derivation of the function, yes. Good. Now, add to this the known probability of imperial assassination, vice-regal revolt... The contemporary recurrence of periods of economic depression, the declining rate of planetary explorations. You see, incidentally, the new symbols on the calculator? Yes. Uh, this is Trantor five centuries from now. How do you interpret this function? Total destruction. But that's impossible. All right. You saw how the result was arrived at. Now, forget the symbolism for the moment. And put it into words. As Trantor becomes more specialized, it becomes more vulnerable, less able to defend itself. Mm. Further, as it becomes more and more the center of empire, it becomes a greater prize. Yes. As the imperial succession becomes more and more uncertain and the feuds among the great families more rampant, social responsibility disappears. Right. Now, what of the probability of destruction within five centuries. Oh, come on. Surely you can perform a field differentiation without the calculator. Uh, about 85%? Not bad. But not good enough. The actual figure is 92.5%. Raven Seldon. I haven't seen any of this in your journals. Of course not. This is unprintable. You suppose the Imperium could expose its shakiness in this manner? Some of our results have leaked out among the aristocracy. That's bad. Not necessarily. All is taken into account. 
But then is that why I'm being investigated? Yes, everything about my project is being investigated. Are you in danger? Oh, yes. There is a probability of 1.7% that I will be executed, but that, of course, would not stop the project. We've taken that into account as well. Never mind. You will meet me, I suppose, at the university tomorrow. I will, sir. Well, goodbye. Yes? Carl Dornick. Yes? I have to inform you that you are under detention at the order of the Commission for Public Safety. You will remain in your room until we are ready for your interrogation. Sit down, Dr. Dornick. Thank you. You'll smoke if you wish. Now then, where do you come from, Dr. Dornick? I'm from Synax. I see. Now, I see from these papers that you are to join Dr. Sultan's staff. That's correct. I should be there now. Yes, I know. But why were you invited to join the staff? I'm not too sure, really. I, I got the invitation after receiving my doctorate in mathematics. What are to be your duties? I haven't the faintest idea. I expect I shall be informed when I get to the university. Well, then, let me put it another way. What secret instructions have you received? I don't know what you're talking about. I've had no instructions at all, either secret or not. When will Trantor be destroyed? I beg your pardon? I said, when will Trantor be destroyed? I couldn't say, of my own knowledge. Could you say of anyone's? How could I speak for another? Has anyone told you of such destruction set a date? You have been followed, Doctor. We were at the airport when you arrived, on the observation tower when you waited for your appointment, and, of course, we were able to overhear your conversation with Dr. Selden. Then you know his views on the matter. Perhaps. But we would like to hear them from you. He is of the opinion that Trantor will be destroyed within five centuries. He proved it, mathematically? Yes, he did. And you maintain the mathematics to be valid? If Dr. Selden vouches for it, then it is valid. Then we will return. Wait. I have a right to a lawyer. I demand my rights as an imperial citizen. And you shall have them. Yes? I am Laws Abertin. Dr. Selden has directed me to represent you. Is that so? Well then, look here. I demand an instant appeal to the Emperor. I'm being held without cause. I'm innocent of anything. You've got to arrange a hearing with the Emperor instantly. The Commission will, of course, have a spy beam on our conversation. It's against the law, but they will have one nevertheless. However, this recorder has the additional property of completely blanketing any spy beam. They won't discover it at once. Then I can speak? Of course. I want a hearing with the Emperor. There are no hearings before the Emperor. Trantor is, I'm afraid, in the hands of the aristocratic families, members of which compose the Commission for Public Safety. A development which was well predicted by psychohistory. Indeed. In that case, if Dr. Selden can predict the history of Trantor 500 years into the future... He can predict it 1,500 years into the future. I don't care if it's 15,000. Why couldn't he yesterday have predicted the events of this morning and warned me? Dr. Selden was of the opinion that you would be arrested this morning. What? Look, will you send Dr. Selden to me? Unfortunately, I can't. Dr. Selden is himself under arrest. You will be tried together. 
which you are head? Fifty mathematicians. Including Dr. Gal Dornick? Dr. Dornick is the fifty-first. Oh, we have fifty-one then. Search your memory, Dr. Selden, perhaps there are fifty-two or fifty-three or perhaps even more. Dr. Dornick has not yet formally joined my organization. When he does, the membership will be fifty-one. It is now fifty, as I have said. Not Perhaps nearly a hundred thousand. Mathematicians? No. I did not say mathematicians. Are there a hundred thousand in all capacities? In all capacities, your figure may be correct. Maybe. I say it is. I say that the men in your project number 98,572. I believe you're counting women and children. Ninety-eight. 1,572 individuals is the intent of my statement. There is no need to quibble. I accept the figure. Can the future be changed, Dr. Sutton? Obviously. Can the overall history of the human race be changed? Yes. Easily? With great difficulty. Why? The psychohistoric trend of a planet full of people contains a huge inertia. To be changed, it must be met with something possessing a similar inertia. So, Tranton need not be ruined if a great many people decide to act so that it will not. That is right. As many as a hundred thousand people? That is far too few. You're sure? But... Perhaps a hundred thousand people can change the trend if they and their descendants labor for five hundred years. Five hundred years is too short. In other words, Dr. Selden, they cannot prevent the destruction of Trenton no matter what they do. You are unfortunately correct. And on the other hand, your hundred thousand are intended for no illegal purpose. Exactly. In that case, Dr. Selden, what is the purpose of your hundred thousand? To minimize the effects of that destruction. And what exactly do you mean by that? The explanation is simple. The coming destruction of Trantor is not an event in itself, isolated in the scheme of human development. It will be the climax to an intricate drama which was begun centuries ago and which is accelerating in pace continuously. I refer, gentlemen, to the developing decline and fall of the Galactic Empire. Dr. Selden, you are speaking of an empire that has stood for 12,000 years. Is it not obvious to everyone that the Empire is as strong as it ever was? Mr. Advocate, the rotten tree trunk, until the very moment when the storm blast breaks it in two, has all the appearance of strength that it ever had. We are not here, Dr. Selden, to dismiss... The Empire will vanish, and all its good with it. 
Its accumulated knowledge will decay, and the order it is imposed will vanish. Interstellar wars will be endless. Interstellar trade will decay. Population will decline. Worlds will lose touch with the main body of the galaxy. And so matters will remain. Whatever. Psychohistory, which can predict the fall, can make certain statements concerning the succeeding Dark Ages. The Empire, gentlemen, has stood 12,000 years. The Dark Ages to come will endure not 12, but 30,000 years. A second Empire will rise, but between it and our civilization will be 1,000 years of suffering humanity. We must fight that. How do you propose to do this? By saving the knowledge of the race, if we now prepare an encyclopedia of all knowledge, it will never be lost. Coming generations will build on it and will not have to rediscover it for themselves. One millennium will do the work of 30,000. All, all my project, my 30,000 men with their wives and children are devoting themselves to the preparation of an encyclopedia galactica. They will not complete it in their own lifetime. I will not even live to see it fairly begun. But by the time Trantor falls, it will be complete, and copies will exist in every major library in the galaxy. That is all, Dr. Sun. You may stand down. Dr. Selden, this is a pleasure. Please sit down. Thank you, Commissioner Chen. Now then, what can I do for you? You asked me to come and see you. Ah, yes, so I did. My lawyer is not present. This is no longer a trial, Dr. Selden. We are only here to discuss the safety of the state. You disturb the peace of the Emperor's realm. Can you tell me why I may not rid myself both of you and an uncomfortable and unnecessary five-century future which I shall never see by having you executed tonight? A week ago you might have done so and perhaps retained the one in ten probability of yourself remaining alive at year's end. Today the one in ten probability is scarcely one in ten thousand. How so? The fall of Trantor cannot be stopped, but it can easily be hastened. The news of my interrupted trial would spread throughout the galaxy. Frustration of my plans to lighten the disaster would convince people that the future holds no promise for them. The feeling would grow that only what a man can grasp for himself at the moment would be of any account. Ambitious men, unscrupulous men will not wait. By their every action, they would hasten the decay of the world. Have me killed now, and Trantor will fall, not within five centuries, but within fifty years, and you yourself within a single year. Those are words to frighten children. However, your death is not necessarily the only answer that would satisfy us. Tell me, would your only activity be that of preparing the encyclopedia of which you spoke? Yes. And need that be done on Trantor? 
Trantor, my lord, possesses the Imperial Library as well as the scholarly resources of the University of Trantor. And yet if you were located elsewhere, let us say upon a planet where your men could devote themselves entirely and single-mindedly to their work, might not that have advantages? Minor ones, perhaps? Such a world has been chosen where you may work, Doctor, at your leisure with your hundred thousand about you. The galaxy will know that you are working and fighting the fall. They will even be told that you will prevent the fall. I see. The alternative is death for yourself and as many of your followers as will seem necessary. The opportunity for choosing between death and exile is given you over a time period stretching from this moment to one five minutes hence. Which is the world chosen, my lord? It is called, I believe, Terminus. It is uninhabited, but quite habitable, and can be molded to suit the necessities of scholars. It is somewhat secluded. And the edge of the galaxy. As I said, somewhat secluded. It will suit your concentration. We will need time to arrange such a trip. There are 20,000 families involved. You will be given time. Well, unfortunately, it is 2 in the morning, so that's where we're going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, I'll play the rest of that next week, so if you if you want if you want to tune in, you can you can hear the rest of it, no doubt about it. Until then, enjoy your Monday, enjoy the rest of your week, stay safe, and take care of yourself, all right? Good luck. Because Woodstock 69 took place between August 15 through August 18. Um, I did one of these shows last year as well. That one was more of a history lesson. This morning, I will play uh, what I feel like listening to, um, and I will be offering less commentary on the history of the event, but I think most of you tuned in probably know everything I could say anyways. Um, But I first would like to say I apologize for jumping around between performances because all of these tracks either jam nicely into the next of the set or there is a great candid monologue from the performer, so I would really rather uh, play one you play you one whole set at a time. Um, but alas, I will be jumping around. Um, I will stop gabbing. Let us hear from the who. You're going to have to try a little harder for that. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you very much indeed. We like to play a song which kind of is our. We knew we were going to come back and do it. And this is a. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this is kind of our hymn. It's a song about you and me. I'm getting a bit old now. Song called My Generation. Try to put us down, 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 down